Blog Talk Radio. Basically, we have been closed, as you are well aware, um, since uh, March, and um, it's been a little frustrating because numerous other businesses have been allowed to open uh, that I don't personally, maybe I'm biased, think that um, you should have priority necessarily over ours. You know, I think we're all on equal footing, but you have bowling alleys and... um, you know, now indoor dining. I mean, I look at it and I see the difference between indoor dining and a comedy club is one person on a stage. I'm not quite sure how one is okay and one is not, but not only have they cracked down on indoor um, comedy, but they've been doing a lot of cracking down on outdoor comedy. Yeah, that's confusing to me, to be honest. That that one yeah. I don't really understand. Why Why do you think that's happening? You know, it could be any one of a number of reasons. Um, One, it could be just, um, you know, the governmental officials believing that that's the best way to go. Um, Although it just boggles my mind how they came up with that one since they've been pushing everything else that's, you know, um, to an outdoor thing as long as you're wearing masks and you're socially distanced. Um, But... The only other reason I can think of is, without mentioning names, there has been one comedy club that has been continually flouting things on laws and stuff, even going so far as to promote an illegal comedy show, which wound up, uh, uh, you know, they had that signage, illegal comedy show on the front page, it wound up on the front page of the New York Times, and the owner of that particular club is so proud of that fact, you know, and he's sort of shoving it in people's faces, like governmental officials' faces, which is never a good thing to do. And my fear is that all of us have been now swept into this pool of of crap, you know, based on what one, you know, rogue club might be doing. And... um you know, we're not acting in an irresponsible way, and I know most of my colleagues, are, you know, except for this particular one, is is operating responsibly. We've we've been closed. We've worked to flatten the curve. We try to keep our staffs abreast of any governmental aid they can get. Uh, they go on unemployment. Uh, you know, we've done a food drive. Other clubs have raised money on GoFundMe. So. You know, um, I think, you know, if you're the someone in the governor's office and you're reading the New York Times and there is uh, a rule against comedy shows and right on the front page of the New York Times is an illegal comedy show being promoted, you, I guess you'd get kind of pissed off also. Uh, 
that, hey, we have these laws in place to protect people, and here's this business just flouting it and flouting it in our faces, you know. So I don't know. I mean, that's a possibility too, you know. Uh, um, I just I found it so weird that we had the, the Comedy uh, Coalition of Club Owners had a very positive meeting with some senior people in the governor's office. And they said all of, all of the protocols that we laid out sounded great. They were going to run it up the food chain. And um, we were feeling kind of confident that our uh, assemblyman, uh, Janaris, who's been on top of this thing from the beginning and, and been a great proponent, was on top of it, and it's the same way. And the next thing you know, the governor comes out with a statement about a week ago, uh, you know, saying we're not ready to open uh, arenas and comedy clubs. Now, <laughs> it seems weird. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it me or is it weird that he's singling out comedy clubs? Uh, no, it's, I'm finding it increasingly weird. I, I don't, I don't know if he hasn't been to a comedy club in years or if, if, uh, I just don't know. I mean, do you get that feeling also? Is it just me? I mean, maybe I'm biased because I'm living it firsthand and in that, you know, world, but why would you say No, I, I mean, I feel like maybe his work? daughter dated a comedian or something and it went really badly. I mean, there's got to be some reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a possibility. You know, um, the, the other thing, uh, that someone mentioned to me, and I don't know the inner workings of, of uh, who people like and don't like, but, you know, someone said to me, well, Charles Schumer came out with that whole thing uh, two weeks ago at the Gotham Comedy Club with Jerry Seinfeld that he was going to introduce legislation to at least help comedy clubs while we're closed. And I'm not saying only comedy clubs. There's a lot of other people that we're aligned with as well, uh, uh, theaters. Uh, when I say theaters, I'm not talking about the 1,500, 2,000-seat Broadway theaters. I'm talking about 99-seat off-Broadway houses, uh, cabaret right. room, um, solo artist spaces, small rehearsal space. All these kind of spaces have been closed down due to this, and they um, – are suffering and suffering mightily. So, um, you know, I, you know, someone said that the governor and the Senator don't get along, uh, Senator Schumer. So I don't know if this was a case of one upmanship or, or something, but whatever this is, uh, you know, to, uh, to all politicians, and this also is in regards to the pandemic uh, relief, you know, the unemployment, the supplemental unemployment people are getting, and that's being held up. You know what? You're having your little uh, political fights. You know there are people suffering, and and if you don't like, you know, club owners, you think, oh, they're entrepreneurs or capitalists. You know, for every club, there's anywhere from ten to thirty to forty to fifty employees that might be relying on that. So you're talking, you know, when you count theater spaces and technicians, and, and you count cabaret spaces, and performers, you, you're talking about thousands upon thousands of people that are being impacted by these decisions. And, you know, if you ask me Broadway shows, 
I understand that. If you ask me Madison Square Garden, I understand that too. But, you know, when you go all the way down the chain to a 150-seat or, you know, Greenwich Village Comedy Club is a 60-seat room. And at the proposed 25% that restaurants are opening with, I'm, I, I, I would be opening with 15 seats. So I'm not... I'm not quite seeing the big risk there in 15 seats when you're opening up bowling alleys and and uh, other such places or sure. even restaurants that are, you know, there are restaurants that, you know, might be 300-seat rooms. They're opening now to 75 seats. And you're telling me I can't open for 15 seats if I have plexiglass between the comedian and the, uh, the seats and I have hand sanitizers and I put in uh, – um, uh, ultraviolet light systems uh, to kill germs and, and you know, take a bunch of other precautions that we're taking. So it seems all a little weird to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, can you operate at 15? Like, is that enough for you to, for it to be worth it? Well, you know, uh, we would definitely have to change some of what we do at the clubs in terms of possibly our budgets that we spend to produce a show, we might at Greenwich have to think about an all-produced show format. Um, and, you know, we'd have to hopefully get, you know, uh, consideration from landlords and, and stuff like that, you know. But I think that we we would like the opportunity to try. I'm not sure it can work. And, you know, I might just have to keep that venue closed and open at Broadway. But on the other hand, you know, the, the state is saying that if New York's numbers continue to be low, uh, uh, that November one, we'd go to 50% very quickly. So I might use the time in October, if I'm allowed to open, even at only 15 seats, to sort of, you know, make sure we have everything right, procedures right, and and map out what 50% seating would look like uh, in the village. Uh, right. So in either event, I would like the opportunity to try. Um, I'm hoping that people in the governor's office or the governor himself sees the economic hardship this has caused. We've done a great job. He's done a great job leading the way after the initial issues that we had you know, with the nursing homes and stuff like that. But after you put all that aside, the job that New York has done to keep the numbers low has been incredible. But at some point, you know, every day I get a report from the governor's office saying that, you know, the new cases are continuing to drop. Uh, and, um, you know, sadly we lost. Yesterday I think it was five people. The day before one person the day before three people, you know, to COVID statewide. And the thought comes to my head, well, how many people are committing suicide, you know, watching their entire families be decimated? Uh, how many how many people are suffering now from depression and, and, and that depression maybe is leading to bad behavior, possibly? spousal abuse or child abuse. I mean, you know, these are secondary things that people sometimes don't always think about. But at what point is the 
is is there a serious cost for keeping the number at one or two or three deaths versus the destruction of the economy of the city of New York? And make make no bones about it. I don't even think we've come close yet to what the devastation is going to be. We've seen a very successful uh, retailer, Century 21, that's been run by some very brilliant people, and they made the calculated decision that it's just better to go out of business rather than to continue wow. operating. You know, that, that, that to me says a lot. That family that operates that business are brilliant business people that took that business from two little small stores all the way to the, the regional chain that it has become, you know, and they just out of nowhere decided to close the doors, you know, Lord and Taylor uh, closing the doors. Um, so you, you drive through Manhattan, you see the empty spaces. So you ask me, where do you see the further econ- economic um, apocalypse coming out? And I'll tell you, that, you know, October, right around October 30th, I believe, there's more uh, property taxes due on properties in New York. And landlords are not getting rent from commercial tenants. They just did a survey. I don't know if you saw it. I think uh, 75% of restaurants did not pay August's rent or supplies rent. That's a huge number. 75%. Now, just start moving that up the chain. If they're not paying their rent and landlords are not getting, you know, they're not, we, all, we already know that residential vacancies are at a, a very uh, high number compared to what they were previously. So you add up the residential vacancies and you add up the fact that the commercial tenants are not paying rent, uh, all of a sudden, uh, you have a, a serious shortfall in the city coffers and in the state coffers. Right. And think about all, you know, just to give you an example, you know, I contribute thousands of dollars each month in one club and quarterly at the other club for a, um, a sales tax. So, Multiply that by thousands and thousands of restaurants and 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 clubs and venues and retailers. So the city and state is not getting anywhere is not going to get anywhere near their property tax they usually get. They're not getting their sales tax because a lot of people are not working. By the way, the Bronx unemployment rate is now twenty five percent. Really, I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah. Yeah, Google it, 25% unemployment in the Bronx. That means those people are not getting, you know, taxes withheld from their payroll. So you're not getting three major sources of income into the city and state coppers. How do you think that's going to project when they need to start making budgets to pay firemen, policemen, sanitation, run our transit? And if, if those... Uh, unions and jobs are not getting what they think they should be getting. You know, what other unrest are we going to have in the city on top of some of the unrest we've already had? So New York is not out of the woods, you know. As much as I love my hometown of New York, 
they're the serious things that I don't I don't understand if people don't see it. I mean, the only thing I can see, and not to get anywhere near political, but the only thing I could possibly see the end game of the mayor and possibly the governor's thinking is, you know, let this thing go down as much as possible, and, and hopefully we'll get Biden in the White House, and, you know, we'll get a bailout. I, I don't know. I have to think that might be the thinking because, you know, if if the president gets reelected, you think there's a bailout coming? Oh, and, God, no. And if, Absolutely no, not. Right? And if Mitch McConnell, you know, maintains control of the Senate, do you think a bailout is coming? No. So without a bailout and this massive amount of shortfall in the city coffers, what what's the future of New York? It's going to be an apocalyptic nightmare, I think. So, That's my so we got to so we got to reopen is what you're saying. Is we got we got to let the club, we got to let the clubs and the restaurants. Are you aligned with the are you, are you aligned with the restaurants actually? That's a question I had. Like are you able to kind of well, present a united front with them or do, are they sort of their own thing? Uh, listen, you know, we're we're not quite aligned with them. It's slight, you know, a little different. I get, you know, we're a comedy club, but we are aligned with an organization called Neva. N-I-V as in Victor A, and they've been very uh, in the forefront of, uh, you know, United Stages is the hashtag, I believe. And, uh, you know, they've been very uh, involved in in starting court cases, the most recent one in uh, upstate New York to get their venues reopened. And uh, they're trying very hard. And... um, you know, I know there was a hearing the other day. I haven't gotten any updates on how that all went, but um, it's um, it's it's just you know very frustrating uh, when you see you know businesses that are being reopened, top of everything, not being reopened. The governor actually calls out your you know business, saying uh, you know uh, as much as we all like a laugh, comedy clubs are not essential businesses. And, you know, or never, yeah, yeah. I think the frustration also is that nobody's telling us when we might have a path to reopen, what can we do to reopen, what can, be, what can we provide or do to make uh, a path to reopening our businesses. You know, and all the while while this is happening, Brett, you know, Con Edison is still taking money out of my bank account, direct withdrawal. I had to pay a uh, corporate tax this past week. Uh, one of my competitors just said something that he paid a $40,000 tax. So on top of everything else, I mean, let me give you the synopsis and put it all in a, in a, in a, in, in a brief. You've closed this down because the numbers were high. We understood that. The numbers now have been very low for almost two months, uh, possibly three in New York. Uh, You have not allowed us to reopen. You pushed back our opening date. You've said to us, well, if you want to get through and survive, we'll allow you to take out business loans, which, by the way, before I took out any of these loans or or things that were available, I was debt-free as far as a business. And so now to stay open loans 
after you mandated I close, you're not giving me any idea when I could reopen, so I don't know how to disperse this money so I can last the reopening. And on top of the whole thing, um, you know, you're, you're uh, taking all these taxes out every, you know, a month, two months, there was another tax coming out of my, my hide. So at some point I have to make the decision that, hey, I have this much money left in my bank accounts for my businesses. Do I just call it a day and, you know, wrap up operations and, and you know, go on with my life? You know, I've got decisions to make. I'm 62 years old. Uh, do Do I you know, retire and, you know, uh, start living a retired life and Social Security and this, that, whatever? Do I do I have an, um, a reason to keep believing that I'll exist and not take my Social Security earlier than I wanted to? So there's a whole bunch of decisions that are not being able to be made because we're not giving any kind of road. You know, if you said to us, well, if these numbers stay, if the infection rate stays below 1%, um, you know, on tests that we do for the next 30 days, then, you know, 30 days after restaurants, we'll open comedy clubs. Okay, great. We know what to work for. We know how to a budget and plan and, and order any more protections that we need. I don't want, you know, I laid out a lot of money just to put hand sanitizing machines, plexiglass in the box office, I remember. I remember the pictures. There were, you, you had pictures yeah. up, and you were all set to go, but you wanted to reopen in August. Yeah, purchase signage, uh, masks, uh, uh, tops, lid tops for the for the sodas. You know, we did everything. You know, we, we worked with our putting the menus on a on an app, so people when they come in just take a a, a barcode picture. You know, you know stuff like that. We've been doing all sorts of planning, and, and we were thinking we were going to open in late July, and at the last second we got thrown a curveball. No, that's not going to happen. But now we've gone from late July to late August to late September, two months after we thought we might be reopening because the numbers were low. And we, we not only have been told we're not given any clearance to reopen, the governor actually pointed out our business is one that he doesn't feel – yeah, that's the one that that's the one that sticks sticks out for me. I mean, not to keep coming back to the same thing, but you know, how are bowling alleys allowed to open but not comedy clubs? Like bowling alleys, you're touching that ball all the time, and it's just it's gross. Like there's that that can't possibly be a good idea. No, and what, what their air conditioning systems are any different? I mean, I want to show you the absurdity of the whole thing. You know, I pointed this out uh, 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 before the people. But just a few weeks ago, I was having dinner in base in um, Little Neck, no Great Neck, Long Island. And on the way to get to Great Neck, you have to pass through Bayside and Little Neck, Queens. So all along the, the main stretch of Northern Boulevard, all these restaurants are dealing with outdoor dining. But it was a little bit of a rainy night. Five blocks away in Great Neck, Nassau County, they were allowed indoor dining. So how, right. like, a what universe is that fair to the people at Bayside and Little Neck that they can't have the indoor dining? And what is different about the air particles in Great Neck, Long Island, and in Nassau County than it is in 
in Bayside. Uh, it, these explanations to me are not making any sense. And if you really want to get to the bottom of the whole thing, in my opinion, any of these spikes are being caused by what I call super spreader events. Now, I'm not a, uh, certainly not a infectious disease expert, but, you know, just common sense shows you that whenever we have events where young people, and I'm talking about 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, are congregating, you're getting you're getting outbreaks, whether it's colleges in the Schenectady, Rochester area that are showing the spike, um, beaches in Florida that are that were spring break type beaches where young kids were congregating by the thousands. Yeah, it was awful. You know, that, those videos like were just horrible. Those are horrible. Now you know. So here's the funny thing about those videos. Those videos show Miami Beach and Fort Lauderdale Beach, the public beaches, but they don't show you like five miles up the road where I have a winter place at Pompano Beach. The beach is empty because they're mostly used, the beaches in that area are mostly condominiums. There are no parking lots in the area, so the young kids don't go there. They go to where, you know, it's open, you know, it's open to the public, no condominiums, so they can easily access the beach. So, you go to my beach, and there were 20 people on the beach spread out all over the place. So, right. you know, if you want to see who's spreading this thing, I think the young kids, you know, in these super spreader events at the Jersey Shore uh, and college campuses, Washington Square Park when NYU was having its orientations, um, and I got to tell you, another place is I, I was driving to visit my mom in Brooklyn the other day, and I was passing through Borough Park, Brooklyn, which is a, a heavy Hasidic area. And I didn't notice one person wearing a mask, which is interesting because two weeks after I passed through there, now the city is announcing there's a whole COVID cluster running through Borough Park and Midwood, which are Hasidic areas. So, right. you know. It's not rocket scientists to figure out that if you're having these kind of spikes, it's happening in certain areas. But don't don't close down whole industries for what six months now. I mean, of course I'm biased. I own one of these businesses, but you know, I have my kids working in these businesses, so I'm not going to do something that's going to risk their health, and I have to see my kids. So. You know, if they catch – if I've opened irresponsibly and my kids catch something and I see them and, you know, I'm exposing myself to catching something. So we're going to be very careful in how we open, and I'm sure a lot of these other – you know, so what this is forced to happen is comedians are not getting up on stage, and so they're now doing these pop-up shows in the park. They're doing them in alleyways. They're doing them – in secret places. So now it's like bootlegging. You know, when the liquor industry is controlled, you know you have certain standards you have to meet. You know, you, you have bar, you have bars that are licensed that have to be careful about over-serving. But once you allow the general public to just start doing things without any regulation, there's just nothing being followed. I mean, if they're doing something in a back room 
somewhere like a secret show, um, it, it, nobody's worrying about social distancing. Probably nobody's worrying about masks, and and it, it becomes a shit show. So, you know, have oh, I was just going to say, so those, those those other things, they're more unsafe. I mean, by by banning the shows, you're making illegal shows that are unsafe, right? Exactly. You know what? At the end of the day, didn't we learn anything from prohibition? You can't regulate. You can't really regulate people's entertainment and vices, for lack of a better word, or the things they want to do. You know, at some point, people have to take personal responsibility for what they do. And listen, you know, we have done what we were asked to do. The numbers have been flattened here in New York. And at some point, you do have to, I mean, if you can't reopen the economy slow, a little quicker than has been happening, when you only lost two people to COVID in the entire state, when are you going to open it? You can lose two people to crossing Queens Boulevard during rush hour. You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, and then listen, if we open, if, you know, restaurants have been open now for, I think, about a month, month and a half in Nassau and in Westchester counties, and there have been no significant spikes in COVID, and when they find the spikes, as I mentioned before, it's pretty identifiable where they're happening. They're happening possibly in, in gatherings on the beaches in, in, in Rockaway, Coney Island. They're happening uh, in uh, in college campuses, frat parties, the Jersey Shore. Some of those standalone bars are not being good players, but I, I just don't see sit-down restaurants that are not operating their bar uh, being heavy contributors to this thing. Right. How are you? How are you for time? I know you said you needed to you needed to get out. No, I, I, you know, I could I could definitely stay a little longer if you have any okay. other questions for sure. This is um, well, Afira Eisenberg said something interesting. She said New York without culture is a very expensive Cincinnati. Do you agree with that? Well, that's a brilliant, that's a brilliant and true remark. You know, you, you take it's 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 so weird. A friend of mine said, "I want to visit New York. What is there to do?" I said, "Well, you know, this was before they announced twenty five percent indoor dining." And by the way, uh, regarding the twenty five percent indoor dining, I've spoken to a number of restaurateurs, and there was a restaurant survey done. Many of the restaurants are not even going to bother opening at twenty five percent capacity. Yeah, that was a big. That was a question that I. That's why I asked you. I mean, I I feel like at some point, it's just not enough. I mean, and I'm not trying to say that means it should be higher or whatever, but you know, at a certain point, it just the numbers probably don't work. Yeah, it it just it doesn't work. It doesn't work at twenty five percent. It costs them more to bring in a bus a bus person, a wait staff person. Uh, a manager to run it during the day, someone to take the phone calls for the reservations or take it off the online system. You know, uh, it costs them money to do the linens, you know, send them out for cleaning, the disinfecting they got to do. I mean, you add all that up and, and you're saying to open at 25%, it doesn't, it just doesn't make economic sense probably. So a lot of them are going to take a pass on that and wait a month and hope the numbers are still low and, and open up at the 50%. So, 
You know, so when someone calls me and says, well, what is there to do in New York? I said, well, probably most of your better restaurants are outdoor dining for the foreseeable future. And they go, outdoor dining? I'm planning on coming like October 10th. It could be 50 <laughs> degrees at night in October, right? So New York has no laws that allow for, uh, you know, space heaters to be, you know, in a, in a tent or whatever for outdoor. So it, that becomes a big issue. So, you know, it's just the lack of planning, you know. It, 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 it's it's the feeling like, why don't you talk to restaurant tours? Why don't you talk to club owners and see what it takes for them to reopen? You know, like the mayor will say, you know, the kind of thing the city will do will say, okay, we're going to waive the law on space heaters uh, if you want to open next week. Well, you know, you got to order space heaters. And think about it. If you've got 10,000 restaurants in New York now ordering space heaters, you think space heaters are going to be easy to get? Uh, no, it's like when you, couldn't, it's like when you well, couldn't get hand sanitizer or you couldn't get toilet paper. Right. And then, the, you know, then the argument they make is, well, maybe order it in advance. Maybe order it in advance. What if you don't let me open? Uh, now, you know, I'm a business that hasn't taken in a nickel in six months. You want me to start ordering all this expensive equipment and you still haven't given me the deadline when I'm opening, when I'm not opening, what's going on? I mean, here's the most frustrating thing. Besides the governor's statement as explicitly calling out comedy clubs for some odd reason, I don't know what that is, he, uh, governor, uh, Mayor de Blasio, when questioned on comedy clubs, said, well, it's something we really haven't had any conversation about, but we'll look into it. What kind of stupid, asinine answer is that? It's an entire industry that New York is, maybe he doesn't realize it because he roots for the Boston Red Sox and he eats his pizza with a knife and a fork. But, you know, true New York. He's a Red Sox fan? De Blasio is a Red Sox fan? He's a Red Sox fan. Oh, my God. I knew I didn't like it. Google it. That's the most crazy. I had no idea. How are you, the mayor of New York, and even admit you're a Red Sox fan? No, just keep that quiet. But for him to say we haven't even thought about that business, like, what do you mean, like, people's livelihoods are here? You you thought about us when you closed us because we got a a directory, you know, we got a a mandate from you in, in an email. So you thought of us when you closed us. You haven't given us any thought now that you've opened everything else in the city except us. You know, and this is my fear that they're going to stick a a, a 60-seat comedy club like Greenwich Village or even a 150-seat at at Broadway, which would, you know, theoretically only open at 45 seats. What do I have to do with a a Broadway theater that has 1,500 seats or Madison Square Garden that has 19,000 seats? It just doesn't. The conversation doesn't make sense to me. No, it, it was. It does seem weird to put those to put those two things together. I mean, you're not. You just. They're not the same thing. I mean, you know, Broadway is Broadway. It's operating on a whole other level. Yeah, I mean, I wake up sometimes and I say, "Do I need this aggravation? I just have had it already." I and I think maybe I'll just throw in the towel. Then a couple of, you know, later on in the afternoon, I read maybe some more encouraging news about the numbers continue to be good. I said, well, the numbers are continuing to be good. Maybe at some point they will open us up. You know, now I've been reading two months of really good news of New York 
flattening this curve, and I and I keep thinking to myself, okay, you flatten the curve, okay, but you you, you flatten the curve at what cost? There's New York is in an, a, a horrible financial. I I drove from my condo the other day in New Jersey into Manhattan. It took me 14 minutes. No traffic. The streets were like a ghost town in Times Square. I I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was like I felt like it was a Sunday morning in Manhattan, you know, like before everybody's awake, like at 7 o'clock in the morning. You know, it's a beautiful, empty street. It's a spring day. And nothing. Right. There was no commerce. You know, the hot dog stand, like the halal guy on 6th Avenue and 53rd usually has a line of 30 people and like five of those little push carts. There was one push cart and three people online. I mean, that tells you that the offices are empty. I don't care what anybody says. You know, the the mass oh, the offices are empty. The hotels. I mean, there's you know, yeah, that's a that's a great indicator. I mean, those those carts are always full. That's a great indicator. And you know, they, listen, I'm telling you, this people are sitting back, not thinking it to the next step. Sometimes, but hey. Economic impact will affect everybody. You think you're a retiree and it's not going to affect you. Think about New York City's pensions. Um, you know, they're only funded maybe 45, 50, 60% funded. At what point do the city and state, desperate for money, turn around and say, we'd like to do a pension cut, you know, or, or uh, you know, cut back our pension obligations? Or if they go into bankruptcy, will that be part of the discussion, you know, when they reorganize, you know, do we uh, cut some of our pension obligations? So it's very scary stuff. And these people are not responsibly, you know, from, from, the, from the point of people not dying, they've been responsible. But that's not the only metric that has to be used in responsibly governing your, your city or state. You have to take in the business climate as well, and what are people returning to? Because if this keeps going, there's no doubt to me that 75% of restaurants operating now will be closed. You know, and then the cavalier comment that people make is, well, all right, one business goes out, another one will go in there and take over. Oh, that drives me crazy. All you had to do was be here in the 70s. I mean, it was just... You know, right. it it, right. it doesn't know it, it it you can't. That's not a given. You cannot guarantee that someone else is just going to step in. You can't guarantee that a space that I've operated successfully for twenty years that another operator is going to come in and know what I did and know how I know how to open a business and continue to operate. You know, one of the riskiest businesses you can go into is the restaurant business. So. What makes anybody think that, oh, okay, um, you know, Junior's Cheesecake is going to be out of business, but we're going to get another guy who knows how to make cheesecakes just as well and will be able to market that business so people will know it's there and be able to pay the rent that the landlord's going to want. Not at all close to being um, viable thinking, you know, and, and that that's what's really getting me. I, I just don't have an answer. I don't know. I can't get into their heads. Are they are they this stupid? Are they this uh, oblivious to the problems coming down the road for New York City? 
uh, or or are they aware of it? They don't care, or are they aware of it and have some super secret plan that none of us are aware of that's going to bail out the city? Because you do the math: less people paying sales tax, less people paying property tax because they can't afford it because they're not getting like these rent moratoriums. They sound great for people that are renting apartments and for people that are uh, um, operating businesses, but at some point the rent is accumulating, and at what point does it become destructive to the landlords? And then when it becomes destructive to the landlords, they're not paying their property taxes, so it becomes destructive to the city treasury, and take it one more step up the ladder. The bank doesn't doesn't the rent pile up? I mean, like it's it's not like it just goes away. Like you, you still owe it. It's just now you owe, you know, six exactly. months of rent instead of one month of rent. Well, another interesting date that's going to come up is in just a few days, September 30th, because that's when the city has a deadline. And I don't know if it's been extended. I'm, I'm probably I, I don't know. But it's there's a certain bill that was passed by the city council that if any of these businesses that are operating that have been closed due to city and state mandate portion of their rent personally guaranteed, meaning that if they go out, you know, they're still responsible personally for a certain portion of their rent. Sometimes it's two months, three months, six months, uh, sometimes the whole balance of the lease if they are inexperienced operators and then get what's called a good guy clause. So what happens is, the city passed a law that's being challenged by the landlords in court, but for now the law is still standing, that you have until September 30th, if you don't think you can make your business go and it can be successful, then you can turn in the keys and you won't be responsible for any personal guarantee. So now a lot of these, a lot of these restaurants have got to be thinking, I don't know, they opened this up at 25%. Now, you would think, Knowing that the city council passed this law, that they would open restaurants, you know, September 30th at 50% to give the operators an incentive to open up and say, hey, I'll let this deadline go. They gave me 50%. I can probably cut it. I don't want to throw away the towel yet. But no, they're telling restaurants you're only going to get 25%. So now you're faced with a decision. Do you turn in the keys and secure your personal financial assets or do you open at 25 percent so it's crazy what's going on it, it really is i hate to i hate to cut you off but we got about a minute left yeah. um, and i want to make sure to plug yeah. your book because you do still have a book sure. out so can you can you throw yeah. that out there actually actually two books one mine and one of my wife if i may oh right right um, right yes yes yeah, so my book is did it on a dare, how I built the comedy empire in 30 short years. And my wife's book is, um, um, Carolyn, <laughs> I forgot it for a second. What's the <laughs> name of the book? <laughs> I haven't had my coffee yet. Uh, totally. What is your wa- uh, mom's book's name again? I'm having a One message. woman, two lives, the secret journal of the Holocaust. One woman, Two Lives, The Secret Journal of a Holocaust Survivor. Both of these books are available on Amazon. And I'll tell you, her book is outstanding. 
and uh, it's it's getting your book a lot is new. Of I've read your book. It's a terrific book. Thank you, thank you, and uh, I you know thank you very much, Brett, for for your time here and not only promoting uh, but to, to talk about these issues that are so important to all of us. No, that, that, I learned a lot, and I think everybody else did too. Um, Al, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Everyone will be back next week, and please, between now and then, stay safe. Thank you, and uh, let me know when it's up and the link is uh, available, and I'll promote it on my uh, social media pages. Absolutely. I'll send it to you. Thanks, Brett. Take care. Bye-bye.